Good morning, everybody. Um, I, am, I first of all want to thank you all. If it was half as hard for you to get here as it was for me, <laughs> um, it, I'm honored by your presence here. Um, it's hard to get around with little little kids. Um, I have everyone at my house has a cold, so it was hard to get out of here, including the four-month-old Abigail. Um, but also getting here, uh, really, what a wonderful um, words to to part with. Uh, to, to place our hope and our perspective this holiday season on the eternal. If it weren't for that, I don't think my family would be here today. Uh, that is the best advice I can give mothers, is to, to keep it on the eternal. Everything else is going to stay here. Um, everything else is going to stay forever, um, So, including your children. And, and that's why I am here with a big smile, and that's why I can share the picture of my daughter Grace with a big smile. Uh, I'm going to leave plenty of room at the end. I really want to encourage everyone, whatever question, uh, whatever comment, um, it's really the heart of why I do what I do. Uh, one of the things you'll discover very quickly if you um, go through what we went through is that our society, even as Christians, our society is not uh, equipped to deal with tragedy. It's not equipped to deal with uh, losing a loved one. Um, we don't even know how to comfort each other when we lose a loved one. So that's, um, that's what Sean and I discovered, even, even with the best of intentions. We just don't. Our society just wants to go ahead. Sure. Uh, you can tell I'm not a speaker. Um, yeah, our society is just not equipped to do that, even, even church-going Christians. We just do not know. So my heart is to share from my heart, and I do try to stay close to my script because the Lord moved in such an, a miraculous way that year that I don't want to ever forget a thing and I want to share exactly what happened and how it happened. So forgive me if I look to be reading too much, but I, I, it's really my heart to share exactly how it happened and, and how the events proceeded. So having said that, you know, my name is Jennifer. As Angela said, I've been married to my wonderful husband, Sean, for almost 19 years. Um, we have five children, as she said. My sweet Samuel, my first, he's 12 years old, and he's um, just a very bright and, and analytical and perfect student. He's just a wonderful child to have as a first one, typical firstborn. My second is Nicholas, and he's your typical second, and he is fun-loving and creative, and he doesn't want to please anybody except himself. <laughs> he wants to have fun, but he's also just a lo the joy of our lives. He keeps us guessing, and he keeps us smiling. Um, but just to uh, encourage some of you who have those second children who, who drive you crazy from time to time, he's now 10, has survived um, to, to 10 years of age. And just the other day we were listening to a uh, commercial from uh, the Galleria, and they were saying something, you've heard it, I'm sure, it's about this little girl reminiscing about her mother growing up in London and the Christmases in London and the fog and everything else and how the best, you will give your children the best gift ever if you take them ice skating at the Galleria in Dallas. And Nicholas very quickly said, ah, that's not true. The best Christmas gift ever is the birth of Christ. And I said, okay, not, not everything is lost. <laughs> so even those crazy kids, just they're wonderful. Uh, then Grace, who would have been eight years old, uh, she would have turned nine years in February. Um, then the Lord has recently blessed us with Isaac, who uh, is true to his name. Isaac means laughter, and he makes us laugh every day and has the biggest laugh. And our sweetest, youngest, Abigail, and her name means the joy of the father, and my husband named her for obvious reasons. 
um, and she's just a joy. Uh, so those are our five children. Gracie went to be with the Lord June the 3rd, 2005. And this is her story. So what happened to Grace? The week after Memorial Day that year, on Tuesday morning to be exact, she came down with symptoms that we thought were the stomach bug. Uh, I took her home and proceeded to do with her whatever I, what I always did with the children when they got sick. I would put, her, uh, put them in their playroom, play videos for them, come check on them from time to time, give them whatever they wanted, whatever they needed. I just always wanted to prevent the other children from getting sick. So that's what I did. Um, Wednesday, she had a similar day. Got sick a couple of times, nothing major. Everyone, you know, the stomach bug was going around. So we, again, assumed it was a stomach bug. On Thursday, I decided things were much serious, and I just, her fingernails started to turn, turn purple, her lips started to turn purple, so I decided, you know, this is not, something is weird, and God has given us a sense, I want to encourage you young moms to always trust that sense, um, he really does speak straight into your heart, um, don't let fear dominate you, that fear is not from the Lord, uh, but he does give us these messages, uh, and I want you to learn to hear them and trust them. So with that, I took her to the doctor and uh, that morning, only two days after the onset of her symptoms. And the doctor told me that morning she was just very dehydrated. Uh, she hadn't eaten anything or drank anything for a couple of days, very little. Um, so he said, we're going to send you to children's. You go there, get her hydrated. Um, obviously, this was the starting of the summer. And he said, um, you know, you will be fine in a couple of days. Don't worry about it. I said, well, you know, she's complaining of abdominal pain on her right side. Um, could that be appendicitis? And he said, no way. Uh, she just doesn't have that much pain. She would be in too much pain. So with that, we went to Children's, where after the first blood test was completed, we realized how seriously ill she was. Um, the doctors could not believe how acute her infection was. They conducted further tests, and by 1 a.m. Friday morning, they proceeded with an appendectomy. They realized or they figured that the only, reason, the only thing that would explain the acute infection would be a burst appendix. Uh, she went for surgery fine and was sent to her room uh, that morning. The doctors told us that her appendix had not burst and that we would probably go home in a day or two. We were rejoicing and praising God that our little nightmare was over. Sean brought the boys to see their, her sister, uh, their sister that morning, and she talked to them. They watched a video together. She showed them her scar, uh, and after a while, Sean decided to take the boys to see a movie. Um, but about an hour after Sean left with the boys, Gracie went into shock. I immediately called Sean back and asked him to, to rush, telling him that Grace had taken a turn for the worse. I stood next to my daughter for as long as the doctors allowed me to. I spoke words of encouragement to her, even though she could not talk to me. It all happened very quickly. Sean was able to get to her in time to speak to her also, but that afternoon, Gracie died. The doctors were never able to tell us what happened to her exactly. Her death certificate says that she died of unknown natural causes. We had many unanswered questions. Why didn't she have a fever? Why did they think it was the first appendix? Was she misdiagnosed? What happened? We live in a day and an age and in a country where children don't die of things like this. The doctors that night were baffled. Sean and I found ourselves consoling them. They were truly perplexed. As mothers, you might be asking yourselves, 
um, how do you deal with this? Um, most mothers look at me and wonder why I haven't gone crazy or died of despair. Uh, well, and I thank the Lord that this is just one half of the story, the half of the story that we can see, that we can tell. But the real story is the one that we cannot properly see with our eyes or understand. You had to just be there. But with God's help, I will try to explain it to you today. You see, I have been a Christian for 19 years now, but I can truly say that I've only known Christ or known my Savior for 12, ever since my firstborn was born, Samuel. By the way, I hope you all understand that there is a big difference between knowing about your Savior and knowing your Savior. Um, and I hope that you concentrate on knowing your Savior, not knowing about your Savior. Uh, Henry Blackaby, in his book, Experiencing God, puts it this way. Knowing God does not come from a program or a study or a method. Knowing God comes through a relationship with a person. He adds that really knowing God only comes through experience as he reveals himself to you. That night in the intensive care unit at Children's Hospital, the last nine years of my life came together uh, for me as a huge pieces of a, of a puzzle. And I was able to see the hand of God leading and preparing all of us for that night. I saw how he had revealed himself to us. It was not the first time that God had done this. God has been revealing himself to mankind since the beginning of time. But it was the first time that I had the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the heart to understand all that God had prepared for us who love him. For to us God revealed them through his spirit. That's what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. The day after Gracie died, Sean and I sat together in our bedroom before we woke the boys up and talked about how we were going to weather this immense tragedy. We realized that we had to lean on what we truly knew to be the truth, that God exists, that God is good and loving, and that he is sovereign. How do I know that God exists? Um, mainly, mainly because the Bible tells me so, like the song says, but also because I have truly experienced him. Um, I have experienced his love, his care, especially the grace's birth, the grace's life, and even especially through her death. Uh, by the way, she was our only unplanned child, uh, and that's why I named her Grace. I felt like the grace of God came to live in our house when she was born. Um, the psalmist David says that I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 27, verse 1. I have seen the goodness of God in the land of the living, and that is why I don't despair. Throughout our tragedy, I felt as though God was whispering in my ear, My child, you are about to experience suffering in a way you've never done before. But take courage. I will be with you. Jesus tells us that much in the book of John. Um, John 16, verse 33 says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. You see, I... He has always been with us through our suffering, making sure, and give, making sure we're strong and giving us his peace. My prayer is that I never miss him when he comes to console me again, uh, because we can easily miss him if we focus on our suffering and don't focus on him. How did he show up? Why do I say that I have experienced him? Well, for a couple of reasons. First of all, the Lord warned me of Grace's imminent death. And I have to always preface this by saying I don't usually hear voices. So um, this is truly a miraculous experience um, for me. The Tuesday when she became ill, 
as I said before, I had put her in our playroom. And I, I went downstairs, fed my boys dinner, and then I decided to read them a book. I had each boy by my side, and we were reading, and I experienced something that I had never experienced before. It was as though I was, I was looking at the three of us from afar, and I would see me and my two boys on either side, and I heard a voice telling me, this is what your life is going to be like from now on, without grace. She had only been sick about five hours. At that time, I thought that was a horrific thought that I had had. But the night at the hospital, I realized that this was not just a thought that I had had. In the book of Amos, chapter 3, verses 7, we read, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servant, the prophets. That was the way he chose to reveal himself in the time of prophets. But now he does not need prophets because he has sent us his Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 6, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, I have many more things to share with you, but I cannot now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth, and he will disclose to you what is to come. I truly believe the Spirit was walking us along what we were going to experience that week. The Spirit of God was, God was also with us the night of the surgery, guiding me in what I should be doing. I felt the Holy Spirit asking me that night very clearly to fight for my daughter. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, the Bible tells us that our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the power, against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So while the doctors operated on grace, I took the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the Lord, and I read from it. It was all I could do, and it was all I knew what to, how to do. I must have looked very sad because my husband looked at me and said, Jennifer, remember, God is in control. And again, I said, looked at him and I said, I know that, but that doesn't mean grace is going to come home with us. And even as I was saying that, I asked myself, why did I say that? I had this conviction that, that she was not coming back. The doctors had given us a, a pretty grim picture of what they would find. But when surgery was finished, the doctor came to see Sean and I with a grin on his face. Things were not as bad as they thought they were, and she would be able to go home with us for a couple of days. I should have known better than to take the hope that the doctors had just given us, for when the doctors came into the room, uh, my Bible was open to this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 and 55, which reads, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where where is your sting? Again, the Spirit was preparing us. You might be thinking, how can you say that God is good and loving? Well, I say this because in the midst of the tragedy, I felt his loving hand caring for us and giving us, giving me great mercies, which I will try to enumerate for you this morning. First of all, that Thursday when we took Gracie to the hospital, my husband's father and mother and his sister were at the hospital three hours after Gracie was admitted. And most of us, most of you would, should uh, most of you may be wondering why that is so miraculous. And the reason is because they live in Houston. And they happened to be in town that day. My father-in-law had uh, organized a convention in Dallas for that weekend. So they had arrived in town a couple of hours before Gracie went to the hospital. And they were with us the entire time. My father-in-law never made it to his conference. My mother-in-law never left our side. Another one of his mercies is, and the, the one that I so much so, uh, share is so much is that he prepared my children all of them for this ever since my firstborn Samuel uh, came to this world the Lord put a heavy burden of, on me as a mother 
um, to teach my infants his word. I feel like my mission statement as a mom was, mom was Deuteronomy 4, verses 6 and 7, which reads, And these words which I have commanded to you shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. The child, my children knew Christ. Even Grace, at her young age, had a personal relationship with her Savior. And I will forever be thankful to God for that. Because he led her to him. Today I know my daughter is in heaven with our Lord. In a perfect body, living an abundant and eternal life. Because he led her to him, I know this separation is only temporary. I know that one day I will go to meet my Lord. And after I see my Savior, my eyes will look around to see and find my daughter there. It will be a sweet reunion that I'm looking forward to. Because I know she is there. That is what, uh, again, his word tells us in John 11:25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even though he dies. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will rise imperishable, and we shall be changed. The book Big Boys, Samuel and Nicholas, knew their Lord and his word. They, they know a couple of things. Uh, one of them uh, that has sustained them is that we are created by God. As Psalm 139 tells us and that we are created by God and that all of our days are counted. Uh, Psalm 39, 139 verse 13 and 16 says, You form my in more, in, inward parts. You need me together in my mother's womb. I give thanks to thee, for you are, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book there were written all the days of my life before even one of them came to be. They also know that we come to accomplish God's work on this earth, and that when we're done with our job, we go home. That's just how simply they see it. Uh, Ephesians 2.11 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works. Prepare for us beforehand that we, we may walk in them. They know, again, that we are God's creation, that we live with that eternal hope that Millie was talking about, and that eternal perspective. Uh, the death of their sister is not a tragedy to them. They look at it from Gracie's eyes. Nicholas, my 10-year-old, used to say uh, that year that there was nothing to cry about. Gracie was in heaven playing with golden teddy bears and dancing with angels. Um, sure, he has said he wishes God had not taken her so soon. They were best friends. They were 16 months apart. Samuel, my 12-year-old, the summer that Gracie died, um, asked me if his death, her death was a test of our faith. And I said, yes. And he then said to me, Mom, but it wasn't that difficult for us. Her death was not that difficult for us. And I looked at him and I said, Samuel, that is because God has prepared us. We had all the tools. They had all the tools they needed uh, to be able to deal with it. For years, for years, my prayer had been that the Lord, a verse that the Lord pointed out to me in the year 2001, which reads from Isaiah 54, verse 13. And all the children will be taught by the Lord, and the well-being of your sons will be established. So my sons were, uh, are doing well because uh, our good God prepared them, and they were ready. But God's greatest mercy to me came the day she died. That morning, she was groggy with the anesthesia, recovering from surgery, and I was standing to her. She was still very thirsty, and I was giving her water with a little sponge. Uh, 
And all of a sudden, I heard this voice again telling me to ask her if she had heard from her God since she came to the hospital. I thought again it was me, and I thought, I cannot make my daughter perform. It was just such a sick feeling that I had. Why would I ask her such a question? Um, So it was me wanting to hear from her. But the voice kept nagging at me, so I asked Grace, Gracie, have you heard from God since you came to the hospital? And she looked at me very alert with her brown eyes, and she said, yes, Mommy which I was shocked and I said well what did he say and he said she said to me mommy he told me that he loves me with all of his heart those words gave me peace and courage that afternoon when my daughter was fighting for her life you see I had been with her the entire time and I had not heard God that day but she had so when the doctors asked me to step aside I knew that the God of the universe was holding her hand and I knew that the God of the universe was fighting with her and encouraging her I drew strength from knowing that God had her little hand tight, holding her little hand tight. It gave me peace to know that the God of the universe protected her, consoled her, encouraged her, and that it was he who ultimately took her home. That was my daughter's last wish, by the way. That afternoon when she went into into shock, I took a hold of her hand to try to encourage her to fight. And I said, Gracie, please fight sweetie I want to take you home I want to take you on your summer vacation I want to take you to the pool and all she could say to me was home mommy home those were her last words well that night when we had to leave her body in the hospital Sean and I went home and I was able to sleep because I knew the Lord had taken her home when you experience death this way our, our beliefs really coming we'd really have to make sure that we truly believe what we say we believe, um, particularly in moments like this. Um, obviously, we miss her. Obviously, we, cr- we cried. But I ha- we had to rely on the knowledge that she was in paradise. This is what we all are working for since they are born, teaching them about the Lord, teaching them his word, so that one day they go to heaven. Uh, so we have to fight the tears. We have to fight the despair because they are what we want them to be eventually. She just happened to get there a little sooner than we would wanted her to and before us. God is in control. He works all things together for good, as we read in Romans 8.28. The Bible is full of stories like ours. The story of Joseph, the story of Moses, the story of Lazarus, the story of Jesus. These are stories with a great amount of sadness, but also with a great amount of hope. And they are not fables. They are true accounts of people's lives who have suffered just like we do here on earth, um, and of our God, who have used every single one of their experiences for his glory and for our ultimate good. I want to make sure that you guys know those stories, that you teach them to your children, that you draw strength from them, that you draw courage and faith from them. So as I close today, um, I just want to emphasize that our real job on this earth as mothers is to tell people of God's goodness. Because the hard times will come. Jesus has said that much to us. And only his hope and his truth will help us to see those hard times through. As mothers, we have no greater job but that to help our children know God, know his promises, know his word. He is life-giving. And in the years and the months after Grace's death, I have experienced highs and I have experienced lows. I don't want you guys to think that we just have a 
a party every day at my house. We, we do have those slow days and we do have those sad days. But we have not despaired. My marriage is intact. My children are intact. They're thriving. They're flourishing. Um, we all miss her. Christmas hurts. Stocking is hanging at my house. It, it will be empty. But we celebrate her. We celebrate her life. We focus on her life. We focus on her eternal life. We don't focus so much on her death. Um, we talk about her all the time. Uh, but we can do that because we focus on the knowledge of who God is and his word and where she is and how she is. So when my fleshy heart gets sad, it misses her more than words can express. Either strength from the word of God um, and the word of God always brings me home. Gracie learned Psalm 23 two months before she died. And for those two months, she kept asking me, Mommy, Mommy, do you want to hear my song? And I would tell her yes, and she would recite the entire, entire psalm with hand motions and such. And in the end, this was another one of God's mercy to me. Um, it was another way of God preparing my heart. Today, I do not fear because I have walked the valley of the shadow of death, and I have experienced God's hand holding me, walking me through it. Um, today, I know that his goodness and mercies follow Gracie all the days of her life and that she dwells in the house of the Lord forever. That's what we wrote on her tombstone. And we really rest on that knowledge and on that truth. So with that, I would like to open it up for questions. And like I said, any question, any comment, I would just appreciate it. Yes. Hi. The first one, I have a three-year-old who's already asking me a lot about, um, about death. And I would like to know if you had prepared your kids and, and talked to them about death and what exactly you told them at a young age. And then also, um, as you were going through the grief, what was the most helpful thing for you from other people and what was the hardest thing, that you know, the least helpful? I told you about my Samuel. Um, we happened to live in D.C. Uh, for 9-11. And again... I, I could write a book on how God prepared us for that night at Children's Hospital, but that was one of the things he did. Uh, we saw the towers hit. Samuel and I, Samuel was five when that happened. Uh, we saw the towers fall down. We saw the city shut down. Uh, right after that, we had the sniper in D.C. I don't know if you remember that the same year. We lived, I mean, you know, you're from that area. Uh, but we lived maybe a mile from that Home Depot where he was last spotted. And I drove by it the next day, taking my children to Target. So that whole year, death was a part of our life. We were in D.C., we were encouraged to keep our children indoor because of the sniper right after 9-11, the, year, this, the summer after, the fall after. And I refused to do that. So I prayed a lot. I read a lot. We talked to them a lot. Uh, Samuel asked many questions about death, and this is what I told them, what I just read to you. Uh, as Christians, we don't die. Uh, th- there is two deaths. We go to heaven. We depart from this. There's a physical death. We depart from this world. But we don't die. We change. When our eyes close here and they open there, we're going to be facing our Lord and Savior. We're going to be in his glory. And so that is the truth. And, and your children can handle that because it is the truth. Uh, so they knew that. When Gracie died, I did not let them see her in the coffin. Uh, the last memory of them is of her sis- their sister sitting up in that hospital bed talking to them, watching a video with them, showing them her scar. And people have asked me, well, why didn't, why didn't you let them see her? And I said, because I want them to remember her the way she is. She is alive. She's not dead. She is in heaven. We can't see her, but she is alive. 
Uh, and that is something that your children, uh, when Scripture says that we should all have the faith of a child, your children will understand, and it gives them hope, and it takes away their fear, and it takes away the fear of death, uh, even for us grown-ups. I think we can, sometimes we can use those lessons that we want to teach our children so badly. Um, I, have n- the, I have never been afraid of death. Uh, again, I think it's God's hand in my life. Uh, so we had talked about it, uh, not because I had some morbid desire to teach my children about it. It's just it came up so they were prepared. As far as what, what was helpful, um, I'll take you back to the book of Job. Um, the most helpful thing that those friends did for Job was sit with them and cry with them. There is really nothing you can do. There is really nothing you can say. Um, you know, practically speaking, yes, there is meals to cook and there is kids to carpool and there's kids to distract my children um you know they they, their life one they wanted to go on with their lives actually we had canceled all summer vacations we were going to leave town the day she died and we had to cancel everything Sean and i were devastated obviously um but a week later they insisted we go on vacation so we did and friends of ours very graciously um invited us to come along with them on their vacation. Uh, now imagine inviting a family who had just lost a child on your vacation. That was a very sacrificial thing for them to do. But we had a ball. I mean, as much as Sean and I could enjoy, obviously, the kids had a ball, and that was important. So find ways to, practical ways to help. But most of all, just hug, cry, let them cry. Like I said, we're not comfortable with grief. We're not comfortable with tears in our society. Let them cry. That's all they want to do. Hug them. Kiss them, you know, cook them a meal. Uh, but crying is great. Crying is great. So, anybody else? Um, you had mentioned that you had known about, or known your, I don't remember how you phrased it. You were a Christian for 19 years, but you came to know him for 12 years when your first son was born. So, you did a lot of great teaching in a short amount of time. Like, my two questions are, what kind of kicked you, start, kick-started you into knowing your Savior? Rather than, yeah, two questions. Like, what kick-started you into going from just knowing about him to getting to know him? And then the second question is, in such a short amount of time, how did you get so equipped that you could actually teach your children? It was it was God. It was really God. Like I said, trust that instinct. He has put it in your heart. You have the Holy Holy Spirit living in you. And for me, it was obvious that I had to learn. When my firstborn was, when Samuel was born 12 years ago, my biggest panic is that I did not know. I knew that I believed. I was a Christian. We went to church every Sunday. But I did not know why. Know why you believe what you believe. Teach yourself to be able to teach it to your children. Uh, That's why that that God gave me that ver- the scripture in Deuteronomy. These words that I've given to you, you shall have them in your heart. Read your, the word of God. I, I, for years, still do. Wake up early every morning. Have an hour of reading time. I read my Bible. I've read my Bible back and forth several times. Not because I'm some great Bible student. I'm not. I'm just like you guys. But the, the Lord really instilled it in my heart that this was important for our family. Um, for my kids, read them Bible stories. Like Millie said, Santa is great, and my two-year-old, we went to the library yesterday, and he was pointing out at Santa. But I can also give him a book, and he can say, Baby Jesus, at two years of age. Concentrate on the eternal. Um, You know, at Christmas, the gifts are great, and I don't want to be a a sour person and say that, 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 
you know, what we do for Christmas is wrong. It is right. Their children, they want their toys. They want their decorations. But make sure those books are there that teach them about their Savior and who he is. Children have an, an incredible capacity, not only for their faith, but also for scripture memorization. The fact that you're here today tells me you're doing your homework. Uh, equip yourself as a mother. Um, talk to them. Read them Bible verses, uh, Bible songs. Um, and not only just mem- you know, have them memorize, have them sing. Talk to them. What does this mean? Um, make sure that they're understanding. And when the time comes, make sure that they... Um, are able to, to pray with you. There is no greater joy than to pray with your children. Don't, don't relinqu- relinquish, relinquish that uh, pleasure, that honor to other people. It is your job. It is the, you know, we as Christians sometimes focus so much on evangelizing others that we don't count our children. Uh, make sure that they are your first mission trip In, inside your own homes, inside your own bedrooms uh, because they're so eager. I used to teach Awana. That's another thing that I did with them. Our church doesn't do that. But uh, for three years, I took all three of them. And that's where their biggest faith growth came. And mine as well. Uh, so whatever you can do to pour that word in them. You, I, I, I used to say before Gracie died, you only have five years. Then I didn't realize the truth of those words until she passed away. But you really only have five years. Once they go to school, there is such a huge chunk of time that they're away from you. Uh, and, you know, practices for sports and activities and everything else just gets your day so packed with other things that are not eternal. So those five years when you're still at home, and I know it sometimes it gets slow and it may get a little boring, just get those books out that tell them about their Savior, that tell them about who Jesus is, that tell them about you know, the true meaning of Christmas. Just continue to do that. It will just pay huge dividends. And that's, that's what I did.